Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Today on 30 Minutes, a special broadcast from the 2014 Tucson Festival of Books. The topic is pictures and words. We join award-winning authors Duncan Tonatu and Javier Garza as they draw from their Latino heritage. Local artist Mel Melo Dominguez moderates this panel. This is part two of a two-part series. This panel was hosted by Pima County Public Library's Nuestras Raices Tent at the 2014 Tucson Festival of Books. Nuestras Raices' mission is celebrating Mexican-American authors, arts, and culture. What do you, what do you guys do outside of, of literature? Like, what is your home life like, Javier? Uh, well, I teach public school. I started teaching when I was 23 years old. So I've actually, I tell people, believe it or not, not that I'm going to take it, but I actually qualified for retirement in seven years. Because oh I started, I also teach at, at a Northwest Vista College. Uh, I teach there uh, art appreciation. Uh, and my, 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 like I said, my bachelor's and my master's is in art. Uh, the writing, I always had a love for it. Uh, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my grandmother, my dad, they all were, they, I mean, they were all storytellers. We would get together and they would just start telling stories. So that stayed with me. Uh, and uh, the rest of my time is I, I work on stories as much as I can. I, uh, I work like uh, right now I'm working on a book called The Great and Mighty Nico. Oh, wow. Uh, it deals. Now, I know we're all adults here for most of us. But how many of you when you were kids loved jumping on the bed? How many of you got caught jumping on the bed and you still denied it, claiming it wasn't you? <laughs> and that's what that book is about. It's a, it's a, the little boy says that he's not the one jumping on the bed, that it's his lucha libre figurines <laughs> that are jumping on the bed. And in his mind, it's true. In his mind, he truly believes it. He's wrestling with all of them. Uh, and the rest of my time, I have a nine-year-old, so he keeps me busy. And, uh, and, and, I, and I'm... You know, I have a small studio at home where I work, and uh, right now, uh, like when I'm working there, he'll, he wants he says he wants to write, he wants to do books too. He'll come and he sits next to me. He gets a I have a big long table, and he he gets in a little part, he gets in a little corner of it, and he'll be drawing there too when I'm working. But I've noted that over time, he's been taking up more and more space of that table, <laughs> kind of pu uh, gradually pushing me further and further out of the table. But, and that's pretty much uh, what I do right now, teach and uh, at the college and public school. I teach art at public school, too, and just work on my books as, uh, as much as, uh, as I can. That's really great. Duncan, how, how is your life? Um, well, I mostly work on, on my books. I pretty much do that uh, full time. And I travel a little. The nice, I, I draw by hand my illustrations, but then I sort of collage them in the computer. So I don't really need a studio. Um, so that allows me to, you know, that I can go to the library and, and sit in different spots and, and, and work in different places. Um, when I make a book, the first part is very hard. Like when I'm writing a story, um, and I'm sort of coming up with the idea, and that's when you want to kind of procrastinate and you find excuses to do other things. And, and, and the sketches can be a little bit like that. But once I finish the manuscript and the sketches, it takes me a long time 
or it, it takes me a lot of hours to do a book, but I don't need to be, it's sort of more manual, it's sort of more labor, it's just kind of putting the hours in to put all the different textures and the, and the images. I don't know if you can see how uh, Pancho, for example, his, Pancho Rabbit, his pants look like denim, and the fur looks like fur and stuff like that. So I do a, a kind of collage for that in the computer. And it's very labor intensive, but I don't need to think that much. So I usually have a little bit of soccer and the, and the TV over there. Very excited about the World Cup. I'm gonna probably watch like every single game. Um, and you know, I'll listen to the radio and movies and, and, and other stuff. That's so great. You know, in listening, I, I noticed that you both read comic books. And I read comic books, but now that you know, now nowadays, what is on your nightstand? Do you both still read comic books, or what? What is on your nightstand? What's on your what? Sorry. Well, what what are you reading now? Like, are you so if we like, still read comic books? Mm. Um, not so much anymore. I try. I read graphic novels from time to time, um, and. But yeah, I've sort of fallen, I, I've lost track of them a little bit, but they're still in my grandma's house, a giant stack of <laughs> Spider-Man and X-Men that I need, to, I need to go find. Find a home. I mean, I don't read them as much as I used to. I do read some graphic novels, uh, but I still, my uh, one guilty pleasure is I still read, uh, I still read the Batman titles. Uh, I grew up with a love for the character. And uh, so I, you know, I still that that is the one title that I still do read. Some sometimes the stories are great. Sometimes I go like, what are they thinking? And like right now, what most Batman fans are hoping is that Ben Affleck can pull it off and he doesn't kill the franchise for ten years. <coughs> you know, but uh, you know, it's uh, we're just uh, you know, I, I still read. I do read a lot of uh, uh, graphic novels though. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people, when it comes to comic books, over the years, uh, they, they're being viewed more as, you know, just great storytelling. There's a lot of uh, people that are writers, that write books, that have, uh, have started to write uh, graphic novels, writing comic books, because it's a, it's a new, me new uh, media for them. Wow. You know, I was just trying to think, like, because of, of the relation, like the story writing, the border town and, uh, and the cucuis and the lucha libre, like um, how, do you, how, do you, how do you put everything together? What is your process like taking from ancient and from the new and how do, how do, you, how do you put that together? Um, well, like with me, I just, uh, to me it's just, it all, I, I don't know if it's a process, like when I wrote Sulema and the Witch Owl, which is a story about a little girl who was the meanest little girl in the whole wide world. She is so mean, she was kicked out of the Girl Scouts after just one day because she decided she was going to throw rocks at anybody that didn't want to buy her cookies. I mean, uh, that whole book, I tell people that, oh, they, they, they tell me all, all this symbolism and what have you in a way. They, and I tell people that whole book, all it's based on is a simple word, simple thing that my grandma used to tell us, portate bien while viene el cucuy, which translates to you better behave or the cucuy is going to come for you. And, uh, you know, so that whole, you know, that's, I don't know if uh, if it's like a, like a, 
it's not complicated to get it all to just kind of mesh together. Uh, I do try to make my stories be more contemporary in the sense like uh, I, teach, I have the advantage that I teach junior high. So like with the Maximilian and the Mystery of the Guardian Angel series, as far as knowing how kids act in junior high, I see them every day. Uh, you know, one minute you're talking with them and you're almost tempted to think they're becoming, you know, young adults because they're talking to you with such insight. And the next moment you see them pushing and shoving each other in the hall. And, uh, you know, it's all just part of growing up. Uh, so, you know, uh, plus I'll, I'll be honest, I, uh, a lot of these this books that I write, I test them on them. I have some kids that they call, they, they call themselves my proofreaders. Basically, they'll read the story and they'll tell me what they think about it. And I figure if they like it, you know, because I'm trying to speak in their voice. And so that's kind of like... That's an awesome advantage for you to have. Duncan, yeah. do, does that... How do you get someone to proofread? Do you have something like that? Do you? Well, I mean, I think I have... There's definitely... I, I'll write about things that interest me. You know, I think... Um, you know, like the type of books I do are, are picture books. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes people think that certain themes, you cannot talk to children about those things, or that because they're for little kids, they kind of have to be cute or silly. And that's just kind of not who I am. So I try and make things that hopefully are interesting, that hopefully I'm not, like, talking down to them. You know, I think, like, I feel good about Pancho Rabbit because I think, like they're interested by it they want to know what's going to happen next but hopefully it has this other layer of meaning that then can be talked about in the classroom or that then can be talked about in uh, in in the library or um, or whatnot so i think some of the things that interest me are definitely you know art history uh social justice i have a new book coming out uh in may called separate is never equal and it's about a, a civil rights case that took place seven years before Brown versus Board of Education. And it was a, a Mexican-American family in California, and their children were not allowed to go to, to the public school there, because at that time, schools were segregated, and it wasn't only black and white, it was also Latinos that had to go to a, to a different school. They had to go to the quote-unquote Mexican school. Um, so it's a story about this family and how they organized and they filed a lawsuit and eventually California was the first state in the nation to, uh, to desegregate schools. And, uh, and so, you know, obviously I think there's a very important historical component to that, but another reason why that I thought it was important to tell that story um, is because not many people know about it and I think a lot of it is very relevant today. You know, as, a, as an author illustrator, sometimes I'm invited to talk at different schools in different parts of the country, and I see that even though legal segregation is not allowed today anymore, there's still a lot of schools are very segregated, and poor schools tend to be very, you know, predominantly African-American and Latino, and then wealthier schools tend to be, tend to be whiter, and unfortunately that has kind of increased in, uh, in recent years. So telling this story was a way for me to also kind of, you know, comment on that. And I think that children, when they read the story, they, when they, I've, I've showed it to a few kids when I visited schools, and they get really into it. They can really kind of, even though it takes place in the 40s, they, 
they realize, they recognize the environment and they can kind of, it creates empathy and it creates understanding. Yeah, no, that's, that's so awesome. I love the way you both storytell. But the stories that you guys both tell is, um, they're almost like outsider story. Like, I don't know, like, uh, they're, they're political, they're hot topic. How do you go about getting those published, uh, Javier? Well, you know, a lot of it has to do with just the way, like, like the, what he was mentioning right now. I mean, kids uh, have a basic understanding of what is right and, and what is wrong. And it's not till people get older that that gets kind of, you know, a bit uh, skewed. But, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, you know, like, uh, how can I put it? The, as far as, like, themes, uh, I, I, I don't really think about it while I'm doing the book, but I do put the, like uh, in the in the charro clause when it comes to the idea of this, you know, putting a fence and all that uh, stuff when they were talking about that. It's like there's a scene in the book where he's, it says that he's going to deliver presents to all the, he goes, he says, neither rain nor wind nor border fences would keep charro clause and the Tejas kid from making sure that every child wakes up with a present under their tree. And uh, so going back to this whole idea of, uh, you know, that, you know, it's basically, you know, people are the same. It's just this whole uh, mentality that sometimes builds up that uh, he said is otherwise. We'll continue with pictures and words from the 2014 Festival of Books on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Local artist Mel Melo Dominguez moderates panelists Duncan Tonatu and Javier Garza. But like Duncan, like how do you how do you go there and then tell them this story? Like, do, what is the what do, what does it feel like when the publisher reads this? Who, who well, reads I mean, I feel fortunate that they've been supportive of what I do. You know, I think sometimes, you know, there's obviously some people that don't agree with anything, even just with the drawings. Sometimes people are like, well, why are their heads always like this? And why do their ears look like a number three? And things like that. But I think there's, I've received, you know, the people in, in the publishing house that I work with, the Abrams, they've been very supportive. And I've received tons of support from um, teachers and librarians and parents, you know. I think they, uh, they appreciate what I do. And I think that they, you know, like with a book with like Pancho Rabbit, there's an estimated 1.5 million undocumented children in the U.S. So there's obviously a a need for books that that reflect those experiences and that kind of that speak to that so I think you know a librarian in a neighborhood that works in a library where that's kind of part of their population appreciates a book like that or a school where, where that's part of a, of the population and so for example with this book what's been very rewarding is that for example it's inspired children to kind of be tell their story and and, and kind of see themselves reflected and see that that story is, uh, is important too. A group of uh, fourth graders in Austin last year made this really neat video about their own immigrant experiences after they had read and kind of discussed Pancho Rabbit in, uh, in their classroom. So I think maybe for certain commercial purposes or whatnot, they not might be the books that sell the most or my books, but they I think that there are definitely classrooms and libraries and different places see the value in them and, and appreciate them and use them. And also, you know, to what he said, also, it, what's also important about motivating kids to read, uh, 
it's you know, where they can see themselves in the in the in the in the books. When they when they like say the experience in in the book, it's something that they can relate to and they can identify with. Uh, that's really important also to motivate readers that they can actually see themselves in the books that they are reading, that they can identify with it. It's like they realize that you know, that, you know the, the 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 story I just read. It's my story too, and uh, and it goes back to this whole idea of if. You know, if this is your story too, well, write it down, put it on paper, share it. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, I tell kids, anybody can be a writer. You know, it's just a question of putting down your stories and getting them out there for people to read, to be willing to share them. No, and I, I'm grateful for that because I've, I've enjoyed reading your books. Um, I wanted to ask, what has been the most challenging for your, you and your work career? What has been the most challenging? Most challenging what? Experience to you in writing or being a writer of children's books? Well, like with me, it's, uh, it took me nine years to get my first book published. Uh, and then throughout those whole nine years, I mean, you get disappointed, you, but you just keep going because you tell yourself it's, if, you, know, you don't give up on an idea. If, like, if you want to get your book published, if you want to be an author, and, you know, and after I had my first book published, you know, uh, other people say, well, I've been trying for 22 years and, and you can't complain because it took you nine. You know, it's, you just be, uh, you know, probably that's the hardest part to me was like getting started. Uh, I went to a lot of book festivals and I tell people my, I, my, the reason I got published was because I was at a book festival. Uh, a friend of mine, Tony Diaz, invited me to read at the Latino Family Book Festival in Houston. And it just so happened that when I was there reading, uh, Dr. Nicolás Canelos, who's the head of Arte Publico Press, was there. He came, talked to me afterwards, and uh, and that's what got my got my foot in the door. And you know, I tell people, you know, go to the book festivals, read, read at libraries, just share your work, because you never know. You know, I might if I had not gone to that book festival, I would might still be trying to get published. So, you know, the, to me, that would probably be the, the hardest part. Was getting started. Yeah. yeah. Duncan, how did you feel? Um, well, I was very fortunate in that the sort of the opportunity to, to write and illustrate a children's book sort of fell on my lap. It, it was very easy, and I didn't realize how difficult it was once I, I, I tried getting my second book uh, uh, published. And so for me, I think the challenge was or has been... Um, just getting consistent work, you know. I think when you're you're an artist and, and me and author illustrator that I'm doing pretty much full time, um, you know, sometimes you're super busy and they're like, we need this by next week and can you do this and can you send this? And then sometimes you're like waiting to hear back and any news on that manuscript I send you or, or something like that. So it can be, you know, I can, it's not a consistent job where you, you know, go in and clock in, clock out kind of thing. So it can be challenging kind of managing that and kind of having, you know, I feel fortunate these last couple of years in that as soon as I finish a project, I'm already have the next one kind of kind of going on. And to kind of to get to that point has been a, a, a real challenge for me. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, how do you feel? Have you ever felt like um, you've ever wanted to jump into a, a, another genre? Have you ever? Have you ever felt that way? Uh, 
Right, like right now, I'm, I'm doing uh, picture books, I'm doing uh, young adult. Uh, I thought maybe of doing a, a book for older, an older audience down the road, but at, at this point, uh, I'm really kind of focused on the, on the Maximilian and the Mystery of the Guardian Angel series. I have one more in the book in the series. When I, when I wrote the books, I envisioned it as three books. Uh, basically, the book tells a year in the life of a kid uh, named Maximilian, Maximiliano. And uh, the third book in the series I'm working on right now called Maximilian and the Lucha Libre Club. Now, if it'll go beyond that, uh, I'm not sure, you know, because, you know, once you have it in your head that you, you have a story set and, uh, you, know, and it's, you know, it's been well received and you're kind of worried that, well, if I take it one more, it might, maybe I should have just stopped, you know, so... Uh, but uh, one book that I am working on, I don't have a publisher for it, I'm just working on it. Uh, it's called Rooster Joe, that deals with bullying. Uh, I got the idea from listening, there's an artist from San Antonio, he's a painter. His name is Joe Lopez. He is famous for his roosters. He does portraits of roosters and he did a series of paintings called Puro Gallo, which meant pure rooster. Uh, in Spanish, and uh, when he did his series, uh, he got sued by Gallo Wines because oh they told him you cannot use the word Gallo. I'm not saying Gallo, I'm saying Gallo. Gallo is Spanish for rooster, but it's spelled the same, so we own it. Oh and God. it was a five-year court court battle, but he actually did what nobody else had been able to do. He got them to throw in the towel and and give up because a whole community came out in support of him. And I took that story, I mean, a real-life story, and I kind of turned it into a, into a middle, school, middle school story uh, where it's, it's a boy named Rooster. Rooster, well, everybody calls him Joe. By the end of the story, they're, everybody, they're calling him Rooster Joe because he stands up to the big bully at school. And while he himself could not beat the, the bully, he inspires other kids to stand up with him. And which is basically what happened, you know. He couldn't take on this big company by himself. But when all these people got behind him, uh, they were actually able to make it back down. So I thought that, you know, and it is a bully story in a way. And, uh, you know, and it also, it also has to do with language. I mean, just because a word is spelt the same, in another, in another language, I mean, can you truly own it? I mean, it's like, what were people gonna call their 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 gallos? They could if they couldn't what male chicken? I mean, you know. So that's one book that I'm working on right now, and uh, you know, I mean, it's it's a it's a work in progress, but that's one an idea. But it was a great story when he told me the story, and and he said he goes everybody. Tells me I was so brave, but what they don't know is that I was so scared, you know. But he goes, but he goes, but I he goes, but I had to make a stand. He goes, you know, because he had, you know, all, you know, and so that that's where that idea came from. So. Oh, that's great, Duncan. Yeah. Do you ever think of the going into another genre? Like uh, we'll see, maybe down the road, but uh, we'll see. That's cool. Um. Yeah, I mean, when I was in, in college, I did a lot of fiction, and I wrote short stories and stuff, and so I'd like to do a little bit more of that, you know, maybe try and do, like, a YA book, 
uh, at some point, but it's just I haven't started or don't have anything like that. And there's other things I tried doing with my illustrations. Um, not so much recently, but sometimes I made kind of like little editorial illustrations about current events uh, just kind of for my own enjoyment and put them on my blog. Sometimes I make t-shirts. All right. That is so cool. Can you explain that t-shirt? Um, yeah, so this is a t-shirt. Um, my friend, he made a book about Gandhi and invited different artists to participate in it. And so this is the image I made um, for it. Because um, it's, a, it's a Zapatista woman in the position of the Indian goddess Shiva. So I was trying to bring sort of different things from India and Mexico kind of together and, uh, and, and kind of join it in, in, in this image. So that's kind of the... No, that's the really cool. That. I love that. You know, in reading some of the stuff that's here to, you know, for questions, this is, this is one that I, I'd like to know. Uh, Walter Mosley is known to write naked. <laughs> Do you have a specific routine or charm that you use you know habitually when you write or do you discover a new process with each book Javier <laughs> uh, I don't write naked <laughs> uh, no usually honestly uh, when I'm right I'll have I'll, uh, I, I usually have the laptop and I'll be in the studio um, and I'll have the TV on but just at, I just I need to hear noise some people like perfectly quiet uh, I've been a teacher for over 20 years. I need noise, you know, and uh, so, you know, and then, uh, and I'll just start to write. I mean, I, I wear just T-shirt, T-shirt, shorts, and, and just start writing. Uh, you know, uh, there's time, with me, there's times that I get on a roll when it comes to writing, and I'll write. I mean, just write for like four, five, you know, six months, and I'm on a roll. I'm writing, I'm writing. And then I'll stop, and for whatever reason, I just like uh, I don't want to do it. And and then I start focusing on the illustrations, and I'll do illustrations for like four, five, six months, just working on them uh, constantly. And then I go back to the writing. So I, I do jump back and forth quite a bit uh, between the two. Uh, you know, I guess in a year I'll have about a good between four to six months where I really, really just constantly writing uh, but like like Duncan said earlier then I get hit with deadlines <laughs> and when I get hit with the deadlines it's like okay you need to finish your drawings or you need to finish the story sit down get it done and then when that happens I'm like it's like I'm like that little kid that they're making you clean your room when you don't really want to <laughs> you're there like you know getting it done but, uh, but you know that's pretty much the way well, that gives us a nice look into how you how the process just being relaxed and, and being able to write. Duncan, how do you how do you get into writing? Um, well, I think one small piece of advice I guess that works for me is like to get up. Uh, you know, like when I'm writing or also drawing, I'll be working on something. Sometimes when you're just kind of staring at it. And looking at it, it can wear you down a little, you know, and you kind of, especially if you get stuck, and then you kind of get up and go for a short walk, do other things, then that's, for me at least, is when I kind of get the inside, and I'm like, oh, maybe if I flip this, or maybe if I do it this way, or maybe I really want to say it that way. So, 
you know, I think when, when writing, sometimes I can get kind of worked up and a little stressed, especially if I'm on a deadline and I, I'm not finding the right words or not figuring the structure or how to organize something and just kind of getting up and, and breathing and taking a movement. Sometimes that gives you an opportunity to, to look at things in a, new, in a new light. So that's helpful to me. No, that's super cool. That's, I'm, I'm just so honored to be up here asking you all these questions. I'm like, wow, it's so great. I wish a lot of the children were here with me today. You've been listening to pictures and words from the 2014 Festival of Books. Our guests today were award-winning authors Duncan Tanatu and Javier Garza. The panel was moderated by local artist Mel Melo Dominguez. This panel was hosted by Pima County Public Library's Nuestras Raices Tent at the 2014 Tucson Festival of Books. Nuestras Raices' mission is celebrating Mexican-American authors, arts, and culture. This has been part two of a two-part series. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager.